cry, Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. We would call this a sacrifice. But that's not what Abraham called it. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. Clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, after three days of traveling, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder, not sacrifice, not sacrifice, but worship. I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, took the fire in his hand and knife, and they went, both of them, together. I'm going to give you the premise of my title in just a few moments. But this is a question that I've asked Sister Murphy a thousand times on the way home from church on Sunday mornings, particularly. I hope God liked our worship. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning, and I want to pour my heart out to you today. We're going into the Christmas season. If there's any a time, ever a time to worship God, it's now. Because he is so good. So I want to preach to you for a little while today. Does God like our worship? Has God liked what you've given him here today? Have you made him feel like God? Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for your standing and attention. You may be seated. What we have to understand about God, if there were any other living God but He, it would be the same principle. But by definition, God has a need and does gain some fulfillment out of being worshipped. It's one of the attributes of being God, is that you worship God. There's people that worship all kinds of gods in many very different and diverse ways. It seems that in our American culture especially, that very few Christians know much about true worship. Charles Stanley once said that he believed that most Christians and most churches have never worshipped God. He said, we go to church, but we don't worship. We sing songs but we don't worship. We listen to sermons, but we don't worship. All of these things are elements of worship, but they are not worship in and of themselves, which means that you can do all of them and yet have failed to truly worship God. We Christians often mistake the means of worship for worship itself. Listen to this story. Listen very carefully. A man told a story about the time his son's sixth birthday was approaching. 
he had mentioned he wouldn't mind a party. And as his son was usually very specific about the kinds of presents he liked, so his dad asked him, what can I get you for your birthday? The dad expected a well-planned reply such as, I'd like a baseball glove. And you can find it at Toys R Us on aisle six below the batting helmets or a Parcheesi board. The games are in alphabetical order on aisle one. It's between the Pac-Man and the Payday. But his son's request was a bit different. He said, Dad, I'd like a ball to play with for my birthday. Dad said, great, what kind of ball? He said, oh, I don't know, either a football or a soccer ball. The dad said, well, which would you want more? He said, well, he thought about it for a minute. Then he said, if you have some time to play ball with me this year, I'd really like a football so we could throw it back and forth in the backyard. But if you're going to be really busy this year, maybe you just better get me a soccer ball because I can play soccer with the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. The dad thought about this and said, let me surprise you. How does that sound? The little boy smiled and said, that would be great, Dad. I really love you. Then the dad went in and shared this little encounter with his wife, the boy's mother, and together they agreed. Their son was not so much interested in the gift as he was interested in the giver. Here's the basis for my title today. True worship is not interested in the created, but the creator. Questions like, did I like the sermon today at church? Did I like the church service today? Did I like the music and singing today? Those are the wrong kinds of questions. The question we need to ask is, did God like it? That's the question. So I want to ask you again, in all that you've done here this morning, and being at Grace Church, with all the, the effort we've put in to create an environment and an atmosphere so people could worship, did you worship in a way that you really believe God liked what he heard out of you? Think about that. I'm not trying to be condemnatory. I just want you to do a mind stretch here today. Did God like it? So again, I'm preaching you to, today. Does God like our worship? Christians also make the mistake of limiting their worship to about an hour each week. We show up on Sunday, we worship, we go home, and that's the end of it till the following week. And when they come to the end of that service, they often come, or when they come into that service, they often come to observe and to be entertained. I want to serve notice on our ministry team and anyone else that would ever walk to this pulpit. I have been to services occasionally that were opened with the following statement. We want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the program we prepared, prepared for you. Don't ever say that here. We don't ever say that here. If people feel that they were entertained... They say they had a good worship experience. We've gotten the whole concept of worship backwards. We think that the pastor and the worship leaders are the entertainers and we're the audience. But in true worship, we are the performers. The pastors and worship leaders are the directors. And God is the audience. Can we praise Him for a moment here today? Hallelujah. So because our concept of worship is backwards, 
We want to know what's in it for us. If we're going to truly worship, we must come to the realization that worship is not for us, but for God. Because God desires our worship, then we must learn how to worship Him. I pointed out to you in my scripture reading today, um, the word worship was used in reference to what we say. We've replaced the word in our American culture. Preachers have done it about when Abraham sacrificed or attempted to sacrifice Isaac to God. That is not the terminology that God used. As a matter of fact, it's in that moment in that scenario, in that story that we've all heard, this is the first time in the Bible that the word worship is used and that's what it was applied to. So you take your son, you take your only son, the son that is the will of God, born by the power and miraculous act of God, and you take him and you offer up to him, up to God, his life as an act of worship. So when you're Abraham, you understand, you have this moment go off in your head. And you understand that when you put your son on that altar, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you think anymore. It doesn't matter what the environment's like anymore. You better please him if you want that son to come back down the mountain with you. Nobody say amen. I'm going to ask you again. Did God like your worship this morning? So we're going to go and look into this episode in the life of Abraham to see what we can see what he can teach us about how to worship God. I want to give you three elements of true worship here today. There's far more than that, but I only have time for three. The first I would begin with today is revelation. If you're going to worship God, you kind of have to know who he is. You know, when I wanted to spend my life, the rest of my life, with Sister Murph, and I did a lot of soul searching, I did some praying, believe it or not. I was 18, 19 years old back then, but I wanted the will of God in my life, and I wanted to make sure this was the girl for me. So when I, sat, when I got down on one knee and proposed to her, that wasn't just going through the motions for me. I meant that. I thought about it, and I, I was sure in my heart that I knew this girl that I wanted to marry, I knew her. Do y'all feel me today? Do you understand what I'm saying? This episode in Abraham's life begins with God revealing himself to Abraham and speaking to him. True worship is based on the revelation of God. Worship is not based on my likes. Worship is not based on my dislikes. It's not based on my personal preferences or priorities. It is based solely on God's revelation of himself as it is found in the scripture. Your first basis of worship is to know God based on scripture and it has nothing to do with what you like or dislike or what you approve of or what you do not approve of. Because true worship is based on the Bible. The only question that needs to be asked of our means of worship is are they biblical? Is what we have done here today biblical? I say that it is. 
The psalms are filled with music and praise and singing. The psalmist encouraged us to clap our hands, to raise our hands, to lift our voice, to magnify the Lord, to shout unto Him with a voice of triumph. Everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. All of these things we do are biblical. Yes, they are. And it's because there's people here today that have an understanding that what you are doing is truly worshiping God. Music must be biblical. The sermon must be biblical. Prayer must be biblical. So why is this so vitally important that our worship be biblical? Listen to pastors. I share this with you today. I'll answer the question in this way. James Missioner, writing in his book, The Source, tells a story of a man named Urbel who was a farmer living at about 2200 B.C., Urbel worshipped two gods. In the book, he worshipped two gods. One was the god of death. The other, a goddess of fertility. One day, the temple priest tell Urbel to bring his young son to the temple for sacrifice if he wants good crops. Urbel obeys, and upon the appointed day, drags his wife and boy to the scene of the boy's religious execution by fire to this God of death. After the sacrifice of Urbel's boy and several others, the priest announced that one of the fathers will spend the next week in the temple with a new temple prostitute. Urbel's wife is stunned as she notices a desire written more intensely across his face than she had seen before, and she is overwhelmed to see him eagerly lunge forward when his name is called. The ceremony is over, She walks out of the temple with her head swimming, concluded, if he had different gods, he would have been a different man. Because the kind of God you worship is the kind of person you will become. You must make sure that the God you worship is the God of the Bible and not the God of your own making. The worshiper must understand the Bible in order to be a true worshiper. If you want to do more this Sunday than merely just singing songs and listening to a preacher talk, then you need to study the playbook for worship, which is the Bible. If the elements of the service are biblical and you still can't worship, maybe because you haven't prepared properly. We have to know who it is that we worship. And we're not here today to worship man, a musician, a singer. We're here today to worship an audience of one and his name is Jesus. Why don't four or five people stand to your feet today and give the Lord some praise and worship and exaltation that he's so worthy of. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Thank the Lord. The second element of true worship that I will present to you here today, outside of revelation, is preparation. This is so very important. The revelation that Abraham received from God was hard to hear, but Abraham made preparation immediately. To obey God. He got his servants together. He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He saddled his donkey. And he took his son and set out. 
I have a hard time finding in Scripture where he even asks ask if Sarah if this would be okay or not. God told him to do it. There's no point in asking anyone else. God spoke to him to do this. There's no point in seeking after anybody else's approval. I want to say here today to our little fancy American culture and all of our millennials and everybody else in that, in that scoop, forget peer pressure and forget what everybody else is doing and forget affirmation and approval. If you know who Jesus is, you need to be quick and ready when the moment's right to lift up your voice and edify Him and glorify Him and praise Him and magnify Him because He is God and there is none other. Hallelujah! So just like Abraham, we need to make the appropriate preparation in order to worship God. If, we're to, if we have not prepared our hearts to worship God, we will not be able to worship even when worship is biblical. Y'all going to have to forgive me here just for a moment, but I'm going to be very relevant. I don't like to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to be very relevant. When football players prepare for a game, I just saw two or three people look out from behind the person they're sitting so they could see me. They looked at me the entire time until I said football. It woke everybody up, didn't it? I've treated something here. We'll move on very kindly. When football players prepare for a game, they do what they all call getting their game face on. Anybody ever heard about that before? That means that they prepare themselves mentally. They prepare themselves emotionally. They prepare themselves physically and everything they can do to prepare themselves for the challenges of the game they're about to play. Spiritually speaking, when we come to the house of God, we need to come with our game face on. We're not coming to play ball. We're coming to worship. And there's nothing more important on this planet than giving our love and our adoration and our allegiance to Jesus. For He's the only one that's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy of our worship. Hallelujah to God. Thank the Lord. Deeply immersed in meditation during a church service, Italian poet Dante Alighieri failed to kneel at the appropriate moment. His enemies hurried to the bishop and demanded that Dante be punished for his sacrilege. Dante defended himself by saying, If those who accused me had had their eyes and minds on God as I had, they too would have failed to notice events around them, and they most certainly would not have noticed what I was doing. We're not here today for a spectator sport and to see what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it and does it line up with their life for the past two or three days or the last week. We're here to worship God. God help us today to understand that. He is the forefront. He is the focal point of everything we're doing here today. And if you want to receive something from Him before you leave, it's going to be advantageous for you to make Him the focal point of the reason you're here here today hallelujah like Dante we need to get our eyes and minds on God because you can't go from the secular to the sacred in a moment we cannot always pass from the world to worship at the drop of a hat we prepare for work 
Shouldn't we prepare for worship? There's people that get up every morning before you leave your house. You've had some bite of breakfast before you go to work. You pack a lunch before you go to work. You make sure the car was filled up with gas the night before. Before You, you make preparation before you go to work. You make sure the kids are going to be taken care of before you, come, before you go to work. Shouldn't that be the same when you come to the house of God to walk in the door with your game face on and say, I came today. I didn't fuss and cuss with my wife on the way to church today. I didn't argue. I don't have a bad attitude because I realize when I walk into this house, when I walk into this house, it don't matter about the music. It don't matter about the preaching. What matters is that Jesus is here. And when I walk in the door, I'm going to worship Him. Period. And I worship Him because I love Him. Hallelujah. Well, let's take it a step beyond work. When you think about it, we spend time preparing for almost everything in life. We prepare for vacation. We prepare for school, for exams, for meals. We even take time to prepare for bed. Very few of us take time to prepare for worship. We may prepare to go to church. We may prepare to go to church. Every one of you people here today, everybody here, got up this morning and went to your closet and put appropriate clothes on. Thank goodness. Glad you did. Appreciate it. You fixed your hair. I would like to think that most people brush their teeth. There may have been a few people that even took it a step further and took a shower before you came. If God wanted to sniff you a little bit, you want to smell good, and you squirt on some cologne and perfume. Y'all feel me here today? I'm being real. I'm being real. We do all this stuff for everything else. We have our couple's date nights and we dial up and we pick the right restaurant and we make the reservation and we do this and we do that. But when we come to church, we come in and we're haggard and we're tired and we're frustrated and the kids have been a pain in the neck and worship is the last thing on our mind. And so the praise team sings and sings and sings and the preacher preaches and preaches and by the time it's all over, we're starting to plug in. Somehow or another, we got to get that turned around backwards. When we walk in the door of the Bible, said to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You don't do it when you're leaving. You do it when you're coming in. And I've often wondered what would happen if everybody collectively could come into the house of God at the same time saying I'm here for one reason and one reason only and that's to give homage and adoration to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody clap your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. The typical Christian is very well prepared for church, but not all are prepared for worship. Abraham prepared to worship God by simply being obedient to the revelation of God. We need to do much more than simply study the the playbook and to do what it says. If we're going to truly worship God, we must study the playbook and get our game face on. Part of preparing to worship is to eliminate anything that distracts you. We were in Gatlinburg for Thanksgiving, and something struck me. By the way, for those of you that are uh, planning to do the holiday thing with family, I want to give you a statistic. Most of you have probably already seen it. During the holiday season, when families get together for the holidays, after four hours average, 
average of four hours, families are sick of each other and ready to go home. So if you have somebody with their stopwatch and it says 355, 352, 352, 351, bingo. I've been here four hours, that's it, out of here. <laughs> that means they're sick of you. But usually holiday times is time for family to get together and we love to eat. There ain't a person in this building here today that don't love to eat. I don't care what you say. There might be one or two that might look a little bit like it. But even you skinny people still like to eat. We all do. Anyway, holidays time for family. We were in Gatlinburg over Thanksgiving. We walked into a very nice restaurant. Really cool, neat place. Most unique, one of the most unique places I've ever been. It is a converted horse stable from, I guess, about the 1800s, if I remember right. Magnificent, very ritzy horse stable. The coolest place. To, who eats in a horse stable? I've never eaten in a horse stable. I walked by this table, and it was about eight people. It looked like grandma and grandpa, maybe both sides, kids, grandkids. And every adult that was sitting at that table had this in their hand. Here you are in one of the most unique places you could eat lunch, and you can't set this down for five minutes. I'm going to ask people, when you come to the house of God, when pastor's preaching, ministry team's preaching, or anyone else, you put this down. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more important than what's coming over that pulpit when you're here. We don't need any distraction. No, no, no distraction. You say, well, Brother Murphy, I've seen you up here texting. You have, because I'm texting back and forth with an usher or somebody in the building that we need something done while service is going on. I've never been guilty of just sitting up here chattering, chattering away with somebody while someone's in this pulpit preaching. When it's time to preach, we put this down, and we owe God, we owe God, we owe His Word our undivided attention. That wasn't in my notes. If you want to put some extra tithe or offering in next Sunday for that, you can. Abraham had a revelation of God. He prepared for his worship. He didn't wait till he got to the top of that mountain to start looking for fire, wood, and a burnt offering and all that. He brought it with him. And the Bible said he left his servants, his donkey, and everything else at the foot of the mountain. And him and the boy went up by themselves, totally separated from everybody else. It's very possible that all of that other stuff would have interfered with Abraham's worship. So he made sure it was left at the bottom of the mount. We need to separate ourselves from anything that would draw our attention away from God. I'm not even talking necessarily about sinful things. I'm talking about the natural and normal things of life. Things like work, family, finances. All these things can distract us from the worship of God. These are not things we can simply eliminate from our lives, but we do need to put them out of our minds for just a few moments 
so we can have so we're free to focus on God. We can even allow the elements of the worship service itself to distract us from worship. Possibly it even happened this morning. Well, I didn't like that. The drums were too loud today. The bass guitar was just too loud. That singer was just too loud. And this didn't do right. right, right. This ain't about you. And ain't nobody here planning to be perfect and claiming to be perfect. We're here to create an environment where you can come. You can stand to your feet if you want. You can raise your hands if you want. You can jump up and down if you want. You can cry if you want. You can talk in tongues if you want. You can pretty much do whatever's biblical here this morning. And it's all an environment to help you worship and to praise and to edify and to glorify. I'm going to tell you, I've been in some moments where there's just been nothing but worship. It's been nothing but worship. There's been no condemnation, no guilt, no fear, no doubt, none of that. Just an environment of pure worship. And it edifies your spirit. It makes your light on your feet. And that's what I'm trying to do here this morning, to have somebody understand that all the burdensome things in your life, you can come here and lay them down for a little while and do something that's really productive, that's really lasting. You can leave here today intoxicated on the Holy Ghost, but you won't be hugging your toilet in the morning, throwing up your guts either. You're going to be still light on your feet. You're going to have a new perspective. I know what I'm talking about here today. I've been through some stuff. My life ain't a piece of cake. There's nobody here today living a life that's a piece of cake. We all have our mountains to climb and valleys to go through. But as long as I can have my moments where I can talk to God, where I can get alone with God, I don't need music. I don't need a choir. I don't need all of this stuff. I can get along with God and I can talk to him and I can feel my feet lifting up off the floor figuratively speaking because that's what God does let me tell you the beauty of praise when you separate yourself unto God in praise he inhabits that I've got to hurry during the tenure of the great orator Henry Ward Beecher a visiting minister who was actually Beecher's brother once substituted for the very popular pastor. All you Pentecostals need to hear this. A large audience had already assembled to hear Henry Ward Beecher. And when the substitute pastor stepped into the pulpit, several disappointed listeners began to move towards the exits. That's when the minister stood and said loudly, All who have come here today to worship Henry Ward Beecher may now withdraw from the church. All who have come to worship God, keep your seat. Why have you come? I'm not so naive. I know preacher religion runs thick, especially among Pentecostals. I've been told by numerous people when pastor's not in the pulpit on a Sunday or Wednesday, I'm just not, it's just not the same, whatever. We're not here about the pastor, and we're not here about the pulpit, and we're not here about all this other stuff. Anybody hearing me today? I'm saying it over and over. If you'll focus on him, if you'll focus on him, the word of God will bless you no matter where it comes from. 
So we've not come together this morning to worship the preacher, the music, the singers, or the instrument, but we've come today to worship God and God alone. We need to start getting ready for Sunday morning worship on Saturday night. On Sunday, on Saturday evening, we should begin reading and meditating on God's revelation. We should spend time praying and praising. We should get to bed early on Saturday night. Even if, if you're going to truly worship God, you must study the playbook, get your game face on, and keep your curfew and be ready for that moment when it's time to worship God with all of your heart, with all of your might, and with all of your being. So let me tell you the results of true worship as we close here today. This is what worship does. This is what we don't understand about worship. You say, well, pastor, I just see all this and all this and I just... Don't make any sense. It it does make sense because every sporting event you go to, people are doing that. And they worship their team and their players and and all of that stuff. Why should God be any different? But here's what happens. All of you Joe Burrow worshipers, you listen to me right now. What has he done for you lately? Has he helped you with your finances? Has he helped you with your marital crisis? Has he given you any advice for your children? You're worshiping somebody that can't help you. I'm sorry, Tiger fans, but it's the truth. And I wonder sometimes if we could worship God about half as much as we worship some of this other stuff going on in our life. I'm not opposed to any of that. We've got to keep it in priority. We've got to keep it where it needs to be. God needs to be at the top of your list. But here's what happens when you worship. God inhabits praise. The Bible teaches that in Psalm 22. There's restoration that comes in worship. There's restoration that comes in worship. We've looked at the various elements of true worship and So now let us examine the result of the benefit of true worship. You want to hear a big one? Do you know that when Abraham worshipped, he was restored back to his son? What does that mean to anybody? When you worship, God's able to restore things in your life and put things back in your life that you would thought would have been impossible. I've been doing this, been living for God for years, born and raised in church. I've seen families brought together many, many times because they made God the focal point of their worship. I also believe that as a result of Abraham's worship that day, his spirit was restored as well. He didn't walk away bitter because God asked such a supreme thing out of him. He walked away loving God more than when he started restoration. Abraham was willing to part with his son but this dramatic intervention of God renewed his faith. It's what true worship does for us. The Bible said that those who wait on the Lord wait on him as a server would wait on you at a restaurant. You wait on him. You serve him. The Bible said they'd renew their strength. Only true worship can do this. We sing our favorite songs and have an emotional experience, but if we have not truly worshipped, this experience will quickly fade away when the music is over. 
And that's a true test of true worship. The second thing that happens in worship is confirmation. God confirmed his covenant with Abraham. God declared that he would bless Abraham because Abraham worshipped him. Not that Abraham sacrificed to him because he worshipped him. We find here the principle that worship results in the blessing of the worshiper. If God's blessing seems absent from your life, perhaps it is due to an absence of worship. Pastor, I pay my tithes. I'm faithful to the house of God. We've all heard that. I teach Sunday school. I sing in the praise team. I do all these things. But you feel burnt out and depleted. When was the last time you pushed everything aside out of your mind? You just separated yourself away from everything. And said, I'm just going to worship God for a little while. It's going to be the only focus. When was the last time? If I gave you a piece of paper this morning in ink pen and asked you to write down, when was the last time you really separated yourself unto the Lord and worshipped Him? Could you even remember? A few years ago, the Tennessee Titans were involved in a heart-wrenching defeat in the Super Bowl. All season they had fought back from deficits to win and it appeared as though they were going to pull off another comeback victory over the Rams. However, they came up about a yard and a half short. The next evening when the team returned to Nashville, they were bused to the Adelphia Coliseum where more than 45,000 fans had gathered to greet and to honor them. People painted their faces They put on their Titan hats and jerseys. They screamed wildly as the team exited the bus and players were introduced. When that tribute to the Titans team was over, not one fan walked away saying that that event was a dud, that it did nothing for me. The event was a great success, not because of the performance, Because the team never played at the event. They never picked up a football. They never got in the huddle. They never walked to the line of scrimmage. It wasn't their speeches. Because few of the players, only very few are even what you consider a half-decent public speaker. It was a great success because the fans that had gathered understood the purpose. The purpose wasn't to please the fans. The purpose of the event was to honor the team and to just simply show how much they were appreciated. That was it. This is what true worship is all about. It's not about the performance, the music, the drama, the speech, the sermon. It's not about pleasing you or me. It's all about pleasing God and expressing our appreciation and love to our Lord and Savior. If you'll stand with me this morning as the praise team comes, this is where it'll get just a little bit different. I'm going to say some things that's going to be kind of strange to some of you, but if you do some Bible study, you'll find that I'm right. God inhabits praise. said that in Psalm 22. He inhabits the praise of Israel doesn't necessarily inhabit faith. 
I've been places where faith has been running rampant and you cannot see any manifestation of God whatsoever. I've been in places of great sadness where people were desperate for God still did not see a manifestation of God. I've been in places of hopelessness. I can name some of them if you want. I remember the night we stood at St. Jude the intensive care unit with Dawson and the rest of his family. I wanted to pray for him and God healed him immediately unless he's going back home. But God didn't do that. I wanted to walk in the intensive care at the lake when Josh Wheeler was banged up so desperately by a car accident he ultimately passed. I wanted to pray for him and God raised him up. But I didn't see that happen. I didn't see that manifestation. But I will tell you this. I have never, ever been in an atmosphere of praise and worship where God did not show up and manifest himself. Personally, and with 10,000 or more, when you praise the Lord and worship him, he shows up. So when God shows up, all the attributes of God are present. When God shows up, He don't leave half of Himself somewhere else. When God shows up, He don't leave healing somewhere else. He don't leave reconciliation over there somewhere. He don't leave deliverance over there somewhere. When God shows up, you get the whole package, God. So I want to encourage everyone, everybody here today, everybody, if we can understand who God is, I believe everybody here today can do that. If you can separate yourself unto Him for a few minutes, just block everything out for a few minutes, you'll get to eat lunch. It's not going anywhere. Your restaurant's not going to close before you get there. You'll be okay. We're going to have the praise team sing. It's not about them singing. It's not about the musicians. We're just going to create an environment here today for you to worship. I've asked them to sing this song. It was my request. He's the breath in my lungs. And we're going to praise Him with it. We're going to give our breath back to Him. And this is what I'd like for us to do. This is going to be like we've just opened the service and we're starting all over. I'm going to ask Him to start singing. And as you feel to worship, I'd just like for you to walk down here and just worship God in your own way. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're sinless. Anybody can worship God. The devils worship God and they tremble. Anybody can worship. So as they begin to sing, you begin to worship. And as you feel that heartwarming, that drawing of the Holy Ghost, that desire to want to worship God, go ahead and start making your way forward. Bring your needs with you. Bring your tears. Bring your burdens. Bring your frustration. Whatever it is here today, bring it with you. Bring it with you and let God minister to you today. Would you do it? There's healing today. There's the Holy Ghost here today. There's power here today. I felt it all through the service. Come today. Let the Lord minister to you. Let the Lord minister to you today. Your breath in our lungs. 
Go ahead, somebody. Would you entertain him? Don't worry about what I'm doing. Don't worry about what they're doing. It's you and Jesus right now. It's you and a God moment right now. It's you and deliverance right now. It's God working in your life right now. Somebody, somebody reach heavenward. Somebody reach heavenward. This is a God moment right now for somebody. He can heal. He can restore. Yes, He can. Yes, He can. Somebody, come on, somebody. This is you and Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ministry team, ministry team, feel free to help when you're ready. This is a moment, this is a moment when God comes. God is in the house right now. The Spirit of the Lord is in the house right now. Would you worship Him? You can worship through your tears. You can worship through your burden. You can worship. You can worship. Yes, you can. If there's breath in your lungs, you can worship the Lord. We're not in a hurry right now. Come on, Grace Church. Help me today. Somebody help me today. Hallelujah. You need encouragement. You need inspiration. Why don't you worship? Why don't you worship? You've lost your way. Why don't you worship? God will inhabit your praise. Yes, He will. It's not the praise of perfect people. It's the praise of sincere people, of hungry people. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Worship. Worship. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. If you'll do it, you'll feel His presence. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let's worship the Lord together. Let's praise Him together. Hallelujah! 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 That's right all over the house. Go ahead, praise Him. Go ahead, worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. The atmosphere is just getting ripe for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Somebody let Him have His way. Somebody let Him have His way. Come on, somebody. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yes, Lord. Our hearts will cry. These songs will sing. Great. Oh, you, Lord. All the earth will. Don't you feel the presence of God? Don't you feel the presence of God 
If you do, it's because you're worshiping right now. It's because you're pouring your heart out to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody, worship Him. Hallelujah. Go ahead, somebody. Turn loose what you feel right now. Why don't you let go a little bit? Let go a little bit and see what God will do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Open your mouth and praise Him. Raise your hands and praise Him. See what God will do. He's here. God is here right now. Yes, He is. God is here right now. It's your breath. In our lives, so we pour out our praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody. Let's praise him one more time. Let's praise him one more time. These fall. 